This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Adam. Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast, as we are now in the week of the Indianapolis Scouting Combine in the city of Indianapolis with Lucas Oil Stadium serving as the testing ground for many of the top prospects who will be in the April NFL draft. And along those lines, we will be joined today by one of the top prospects, top quarterback prospects in the upcoming NFL draft a man who will be in Indianapolis this week, a man who will be a top pick in April, the North Carolina quarterback Drake May joins us today as he embarks on the NFL draft process and begins his journey to the NFL. But before we get to the North Carolina quarterback Drake May, first we get to my friend and colleague, Daniel Duff, the co-host of the Fancy Focus podcast, and the man who quarterbacks the weekly six-pack. Wow, Adam, that was a great intro. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. I'm going to need to have <laughs> a perfect rating for this show in order to live up to that. But let's start where you just left it off. You're talking about Drake May. It's been seven days since I asked you what the Chicago Bears are going to yeah. do with the number one overall pick and Justin Fields. What kind of an update do you have for us this week? Well, here's what I think they are, Daniel. They're going to Indianapolis this week. And they're going to explore all their options. They're going to see, what is this number one pick worth? Is that worth trading? Is it better for us to take Caleb Williams? Is it better to go look at Drake May or Jaden Daniels? What's the best course of action? Now, saying all that, I still think, as we head into the combine, that the most likely scenario in my mind, as best I can tell from talking to people around the league, is that ultimately they do take Caleb Williams at number one and they do look to trade Justin Fields. Now, let me also say this, Daniel. We are taping this. There are two months in advance of the NFL draft. You know how much changes in two months? Oh, for all wow. we know, for all we know, the Bears have a poor meeting with Caleb Williams and his team. He doesn't like them. They don't like him. They don't get along. For all we know, some team makes a huge offer and changes the way the Bears think. For all we know, anything could happen in two months. But if I could sit here today, two months out of the draft, and say, what do I think is the most likely scenario? I would say it's taking Caleb Williams and looking to deal Justin Fields. So now, if they're dealing Justin Fields, the question becomes, what can they get back for him? Yep. And in talking to front office executives around the league, what I've been able to deduce there is here's what I think the Bears could expect in return for a player like Justin Fields. It would be somewhere between what the Jets got for Sam Darnold, who at one point was the former number three overall pick. They got back in that year, the year that they traded him from the Carolina Panthers. Again, the Carolina Panthers making a deal as usual for a quarterback. But in that year, the Jets traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers and got back in return 2022 second round pick and a 2022 fourth round pick. So they got three picks, a six that year and a two and a four 
the next year. But Adam, none of those start with first rounder. Are Correct. you saying that? Okay. Hold on, Daniel. All right. We also can look and think back to when Ryan Pulse, the current Bears general manager, was in Kansas City and the Chiefs traded two second round draft picks for Alex Smith to San Francisco. Two twos. Now, again, we'll see what they can get back for Justin Fields if they decide to go that route. And I think it's somewhere between the two twos that the Chiefs gave up for Alex Smith and the three picks that the Panthers gave up for Sam Darnold. So maybe that's a two and a three. Maybe it's a two and a two. Maybe it's a two one year and a two the next. We don't know. But that would be my best guess mm. as to what the Bears would get back for Justin Fields if that ultimately is the direction that they decide to go, which would be my guess today, two months out. And we'll see how this plays out. But here's the deal. That's what they're in Indianapolis this week for, a fact-finding mission. What can they get back for the number one pick? What can they get back for Justin Fields? What's Caleb Williams like in person when we meet him? How does he feel about coming to Chicago? A lot of questions to answer. In the end, I think they take Caleb Williams and deal Justin Fields for a package similar to the ones that we just talked about. Wow. Cannot wait to see what happens. And Adam, like you just said, so much can change over the next two months. I realize that this is one of those things that we could talk about it now this week and next week yeah. you're telling us a something. And we will. And yep. we will. We'll talk about it again until we get there. Hey, topic number two for the six pack. I was shocked, Adam Schefter, when I heard that the NFL salary cap was increasing by $30 million. Did anybody see this coming? And is there any kind of like an impact that this is potentially going to have on teams other than hey, here's a bunch of extra money to be able to play with this year. You know, what's interesting is that I usually have a couple of people around the league that ask me, what are you hearing the salary cap is going to be at this year? A couple of front office executives. One called me the day before, and we were on the phone talking about it, and I said, my sense is it's going to be about $250 million. And lo and behold, the salary cap this year comes in at $255.4 million per team a 13.6% increase over last year's cap. That amounts to, as you said, Daniel, a $30.6 million more per team increase than last year's $224.8 million salary cap. Okay, so each team basically gets another $30.6 million. I think they were thinking it would be around two fifty. So that's not really a surprise. I think the extra $5.4 million is what teams really have to play with. That, to me, is enough to go, I don't know, field a practice squad or sign an extra player or allocate that money to a player you want to extend. I don't think it's a windfall the way that some people do for teams and an endless amount of flexibility. But you know what? It gives teams the ability to go and have just that many more options. Great for the players to get that much more money. Uh, obviously, the owners must be making a lot of money because the cap wouldn't have gone up like that if they weren't. And we know how much money gambling and media rights money has infiltrated the system. But the fact of the matter is players, owners, teams, everybody benefits. And it'll give teams just a little bit more wiggle room, a few more options. Look, if I gave you $5.4 extra dollars to spend, we can get $258 million to spend. You know, if you were decorating a home... It would be that much nicer. And Absolutely. that's how these rosters will be that much nicer because of it. Interesting. 
Very excited to see. That's a lot of money. Extra $30 million this year. All right, topic number three for the six-pack, Adam Schefter. I want to talk about a guy that has been in this industry for a very long time. I read today on Twitter that Peter King, Monday yeah. morning quarterback, is mm -hmm. going to retire. He has been an industry titan since before I got into sports media. I had started reading his columns. This is more of a personal question, Adam. I just want to know what kind of a legacy do you think Peter leaves behind? And do you have any kind of stories or anything that you had uh, or moments that you've shared with Peter that you want to share with anybody? Well, let me say this. Peter has been a friend, a good friend for a very long period of time. And back when I was a reporter for the Denver Post and Rocky Mountain News, Peter was the lead NFL reporter for Sports Illustrated. And what people don't realize is, is Peter would have a army of reporters in every NFL city. After every NFL game, they would file to him three notes, three, four, five notes that they thought were interesting. And they would get paid like $100 a week from Sports Illustrated. And Peter would be able to sift through some of those best notes and include them if he felt warranted in his column. He had like an inner sanctum of trusted senior NFL reporters that after a couple of years, I was promoted to. And I remember it included guys like, if I remember correctly, Ron Borges in Boston and Rick Goslin in Dallas and Ed Bouchette in Pittsburgh. And I was one of his trusted six or seven national reporters sending him notes after every week. And I want to tell you something. I took such pride in sending him relevant notes and it would give me unbelievable amount of joy to see if and when something I sent him would make it into his NFL column. Like I thought that was the coolest thing. And we began to form a relationship in the mid 1990s to where I remember he came out to Denver and came over my house, spent a lot of time together. And even so, when there was a Super Bowl in Detroit, Peter's such a nice guy. He has family in Pittsburgh. His wife's family, I believe, is from Pittsburgh. And so they were all coming, and he gave his hotel room to them, and he stayed in my room for the rest of the week. No way. At, at that Super Bowl, the Pittsburgh-Seattle Super Bowl in Detroit. So Peter was always in my room. And we've had a great relationship. Uh, we've had many meals together. Our wives have had meals together. Um on a handful of occasions. And he's always somebody that I've turned to for counsel and vice versa. Uh, when he was going through contract negotiations with Sports Illustrated, he and I always had talks. And I was the one that always forced him to be harder line than he actually was because he's such a nice guy. I'm like, Peter, no, no, no. You're getting more than that. You're getting more than that. And he's like, real? I'm like, yes, Peter, you are. And so we had many great discussions. He's somebody that has been a friend for a long time. He's somebody that I admired so much and had so much respect for that to be able to work for him and send him material always meant so much to me. And I knew that he was retiring. We had talked about it in advance. So there was no surprise for me to pick up that column and read it, but he delivered it in an elegant way. And here's the thing about him. There are not many people in any field, anywhere, at any time, who enjoy their job more than Peter King. Do you know how many times I would pick up his column on Monday, read it, and I'm like, boy, Peter just loves talking to this guy. Yeah. And he cares so much about talking to this guy. And it was so impressive. Everything he does, like he has he has a zest for life. He's going to be on this podcast in a couple of weeks. We spoke last week. We locked him in. He will be on this podcast the week of free agency. So looking forward to having him on as a guest then. We'll get into some of his thoughts about what he's going to do next, but we wish him nothing but the best. He's been a class guy. 
He's been an unbelievable mentor. He's an incredible storyteller and reporter. He has been a mentor to so many people in this industry. He's changed the business for the better mm -hmm. permanently. Yep. And he's left his mark in this industry. And that is way more than most people will ever do. And for that, we owe him a huge debt of gratitude and always will have great affection, respect, and admiration for the great Peter King. Agreed. Well said, Adam. All right. Topic number four, we were just talking about free agency, the increase yeah. in the salary cap. I want to ask you, with that increase in the salary cap and the idea that last year we saw a lot of running backs looking for more money, teams not really willing to dish out that money. What do you think we're going to expect to see for, for running backs in free agency in 2024? Daniel, I think this is one of the really intriguing storylines of the NFL offseason. Last year, we saw three running backs tagged. Three. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. This year, as I understand it, there won't be any tags given out. And that means when free agency begins in mid-March, the free agent running back class will include Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Wow. Austin Eckler, let me keep going, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Zeke Elliott, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I would venture to tell you that this may be the most decorated free agent running back class that we've ever seen. And I don't believe that any one of them will get the franchise tag. It's just too much money to tag Josh Jacobs after the Raiders restructured his contract last year, it cost over $14.1 million. To tag Saquon Barkley or Tony Pollard would cost over $12.1 million. Teams are not going to do that. So you're not going to have any tags. And free agency is about supply and demand. The supply of running backs not a supply. is great. Yeah. The demand for running backs, not as great. And that means that many of these running backs, and they're great players, are not going to get the price that they want or deserve. Many of them are going to be disappointed. Some, I think, will wind up very content and happy with their deal. But we've never had a free agent running back class that's this deep, this talented, this accomplished. It's going to be incredible to see where all these running backs wind up. And then you mix in all the running backs coming out in the draft, and there are going to be some teams that really bolster their backfields this upcoming offseason. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how that works out. I know running backs obviously asking for a lot more money. It's tough when you see these guys touching the ball so much yeah. every single game, and it feels like they're not getting compensated at the same rate that maybe a more explosive and more exciting wide receiver or a skill positioning guy does. So, hey, I'm not a running back, but I totally understand where they're at. All right, topic number five, Adam Schefter. What's another offseason trend you think we'll see at a position in this offseason? Is there anything else you think is going to shake us up over the offseason here? You just let us right there, Daniel. You mentioned wide receivers, right? You're going to see this offseason, I predict, the wide receiver market, contract-wise, mm -hmm. explode. Explode. Really? We're talking about running back salaries being in a tough spot because of how many there are. Okay, I want to give you some names here. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who's already got the franchise tag in Cincinnati. Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, there are going to be some wide receivers that I think crush the running back or the wide receiver market. And if, as I would expect, Justin Jefferson happens to go first 
and he gets a deal well north of $30 million on average per year, then what is that going to do for what C.D. Lamb asked for or what Jamar Chase asked for or what T. Higgins asked for? These wide receivers are going to get paid. And I believe that market with these wide receivers out there is going to explode this offseason. And we're going to see prices paid for wide receivers that you haven't seen. And it's going to impact the prices that other wide receivers like an Amon Ross, St. Brown, your Lions wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Get one day or any other good Nico Collins, a good wide receiver out there. Whoa. The prices on that position are about to go through the roof, Daniel. You'll see. I think Tyreek Hill right now is the only wide receiver that is getting 30 million per year. Is that correct? Yes, and it was backloaded into the last year. It was 25, 25, 25 with 35 in the last year or, or 45. It boosted the average. Still a really good, strong deal for Tyreek yep. Hill. Yeah. It's 30, but it's not really 30, even though you call it 30. These deals that are coming up will be 30. Absolutely. They will be 30. <laughs> they will reset the market. And just like running backs are going to struggle to make the money they want, wide receivers will not. There are going to be new thresholds set for wide receivers. And wait till you see where that market goes this offseason. Wow. All right. Topic number six, Adam, closing out the six-pack. I want to talk about the quarterbacks that are going to get drafted this year, right? We got the NFL Combine coming up. We're going to learn a bunch of stuff about these quarterbacks. Obviously, we expect the top three or four picks to be quarterbacks when we're looking at these guys. So understanding we had a story a little bit ago about athletes first and the S2 testing and whatnot and how they're going to say, hey, maybe we're not going to have our quarterbacks test at the Combine. I just wanted Mm. to ask you, what do you make of where these quarterbacks are going to be at the combine and the kind of information that we are going to be able to get from them this year, based on maybe some of the information we've got last year. Well, we know that athletes first isn't going to allow their players, quarterbacks to do some of these testing drills that CJ Stroud went through last year, where it was publicized, unfortunately. Um, And we see how much it impacted him as a rookie quarterback. Not at all. Not much. Right. (laughs) So these tests, I think they take on a different meaning. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're not, hiring or drafting a player to you know build some rocket booster to get to the moon you're drafting him to play a position in football and some of them are exceptional at that and they have incredible football intelligence even if they don't test really well but the quarterbacks are going to be the story and they're always the story and i still think ultimately in the end that caleb williams because of his natural gifts his talents will wind up being the number one overall pick in Detroit, in April, in this upcoming NFL draft. And then we're down to the next two quarterbacks. And it's one of the reasons we reached out to Drake May to get him on the podcast this week, because as I explained to him in this interview, in the next two months, I don't know how this is going to happen, but there are going to be times where Drake May's stock is up, and there's going to be times where Drake May is down. And the same is going to be true for the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, the other top three quarterback. And we're going to hear talk about J.J. McCarthy from Michigan and Bo Nix and Michael Penix and the other great quarterbacks. And really, to me, Daniel, what it is, is just a bunch of noise. There's a lot of noise that's made about these quarterbacks. And the fact of the matter is these teams know how good these guys are and where they should and shouldn't go in the draft. You'll hear a lot of media manipulation about where they could be going. The fact of the matter is, again, heading into the process, 
I think we get quarterbacks going one, two, and three in all probability. And we'll see how that order shakes out. I do think Williams will be one. And then we'll see whether it's Drake May and Jaden Daniels or Jaden Daniels and Drake May. But one way or another, quarterbacks in this league, as we know, are currency. And it's oh, also yeah. why going into the combine, we figured there will be nobody better to reach out to than a quarterback we've been trying to get all season long. And finally, in the week of the combine, we're able to land an interview with the North Carolina quarterback, a man expected to be amongst the top picks in the upcoming NFL draft, top prospect, Drake May. You know, I got to tell you something. We've been trying to get you here in this space for weeks, if not months. We reached out to the school every year. At the end of the year, I always like to do a star college player. We reached oh, out. Man. North Carolina did an excellent job of shielding you and protecting you. Did they really? Who was it, Jerry? Did you talk to Jeremy? You know, I don't know. My producers reached out to the school, and we, you know, we we tried a couple of different times. So, bottom line is, we are honored and excited to have you today. Oh shoot, I no, appreciate you having me on, man. If you should just just text my phone. I would even have me on right now at any time. <laughs> well, thank you, Drake. That's what we did, right? We got in touch. We set exactly. it up, and we get it. We get you now going into the combine process. I'm just curious your thoughts about everything that's ahead in the weeks to come from the combine to the pre-draft meetings to the actual draft itself. What's your mindset like these days? Yeah, just be myself. That's the big thing. Um, I'm excited for it. Sure, you dream your whole life of you know playing in the NFL and getting this opportunity. Uh, so just go enjoy it. I think you know, the biggest thing for me is, you know, like I said, be myself and just be honest and um, shoot in the interview process. Just shoot if they don't like me. Um, just part <laughs> of it. Shoot, draft somebody else. But I think, you know, I think – one of the best things I do is, you know, try to create relationships and get along with a lot of different people. Um, so I just try to you know, use that to my advantage and uh, also just show my skill set, you know, you know, off the field, not just on. I think, you know, kind of the film um, speaks for itself kind of in this process, you know, for any player going to draft. So uh, just, get, just let them get to know me and uh, be authentic through it. Uh, but other than that, just, you know, like I said, just, you know, just be, part of it is, you know, being in uncomfortable situations, be able to handle that. So Drake, I don't know how much you follow the NFL, how closely – you watch the sport, but is there anybody that you're looking forward to getting the chance to meet at the combine this week? You're going to have every, most every coach, most every GM, a lot of different people from the NFL universe. Is there anybody out there that it would mean something to you to meet them this week? Oh, that's a good question, Adam. Um, yeah, I think anytime meeting, shoot, the, you know, the head coaches or, or the players in the other draft, know a lot of the, the quarterbacks um, in the draft, but, you know, seeing some of the Meeting some of the guys in person, I know Marv Harrison, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, MHJ, I've gotten to know him a little bit, um, seeing some other guys like Brock and, uh, you know, some of the top guys, I think it's always fun uh, kind of get to know them and, you know, pick their brain, um, you know, coaching wise, you know, I think the big thing is uh, GMs, coaches, just uh, being there, asking them questions, you know, how they got there, you know, I think, you know, one of the, you know, the best stories people talk about is, you know, Robert Kraft and how he got to his place, um, so sitting there and asking him how he got there and stuff like that and different you know, different teams, uh, different coaches. You know, I'm a big fan of Coach Tomlin and, and the Steelers. I've always been a fan of Coach Tomlin. Um, so I had some some guys I got to know that, that played for him, and uh, they just love him. So uh, just just meet guys like that that you know you cheer for in the NFL and such great coaches. Shoot, Coach Reed, Andrew Reed, you know, pick his brain about how he's being so successful. So just coaches like that and just football guys just trying to get in there and talk a little ball. So how well do you know the other quarterbacks in this draft class going into the combine, like Caleb Williams, like Jaden Daniels, like Bo Nix, like JJ McCarthy? How well do you know some of these guys? Yeah, I'd say I know them pretty well. You know, Caleb, uh, me and JJ were all in the same class. Um, so we grew up, you know, going to, you know, the Elite 11. You see guys 
competing against them in seven-on-seven seven camps in the summer um, and tournaments. So I know Caleb pretty well. We keep up in the offseason. I uh, text him a couple times throughout the season, just stay in touch. Um, you know, big fan of Caleb and JJ. You know, I see him. See, I saw him one time off season. Um, he's a great dude too. Um, so I'm down here actually. I'm down here in Mobile, Alabama, training, and uh, I trained with Bo Nix. So I've been him the past two months. Uh, so we've been down here just competing and battling it out. And uh, I saw Jaden and a lot of the guys at, at Manning Passing Academy. So I uh, pretty much know everybody. Um, and just you know, big fan of their games and big fans of their of their um, them as people. More importantly, now you're down in Mobile, Alabama. You say you're training. You're working with Bo Nix and others. One of the guys I know you've been working with is Philip Rivers. Yes, sir. Yeah, he lives right down here. Yeah. What have you learned from Philip Rivers? He's a great guy. Oh God, he's one of the best. Um, you know, he's just he's just like you might as well just my brothers. You know, he's just a you know loves to compete. You know, he's out there with throwing you know you know six step outs like a ten yard drill thrown into the net. And uh, shoot, he retired for two two, you know, two or three years ago, and he's, he still won the competition. So he's just a competitor. Um, and just <laughs> not like that, he's just one of the guys. He gets along with people so well and. Uh, knows the game. Um, he's a little bit in the digit system, you know, with, with San Diego. So just picking his brain on that. I know there's a little bit of different systems in the NFL. So just trying to just trying to be a sponge, asking questions, asking what it likes. I think the biggest thing about Philip was he stayed healthy for so long through his career. You know, such a long career. And I think he played 17 games for like, I don't know, some crazy stat, 15 straight years or something. So uh, just picking brain how he stayed healthy. And, uh, you know, he's a big dude like me. So just trying to, you know, kind of find ways to you know relate to him and uh, you know, both ACC guys. I know he went to the wrong school in the ACC, but uh, you know some of that same stuff. So just, um, just trying to pick his brain. One of the great quarterbacks. So, what did you learn about one of the reasons why he was able to stay healthy and be out there all the time? Sure, I think you know the biggest thing with Philip is you know how he prepared. Um, you know preparation. You know knowing where he's hot is what he talked about. You know avoiding hits. Um, he's one of the best at it. Um, getting the ball out quick. Shoot. He always talked about checking the ball down. Don't be afraid to check it down. So it's little stuff like that that goes a long way from. You know, holding the ball a little longer, taking an extra hit. Um, and not only that, he's just a tough son of a gun. I think that's the biggest thing he preached. You know, he's tough. Um, he'll get in there and take a hit. You know, he'll get right back up. And, you know, he just said he doesn't cuss, so he'll talk a little trash. So he's, you know, one of the best trash talkers out there. So uh, it's just been great to be around, like, some of those guys. And uh, David Morris, who runs quarterback country, um, he was, you know, his, his one of his best friends is Eli Manning. So he's gotten, you know, Eli on there. And uh, we talked to Daniel Jones last week. So a lot of these NFL guys, um, just talking to them and, Ask some questions, picking their brain. AJ McCarron was down here last week, so I think the best thing about what Demo does is uh, get all the kind of the quarterbacks. Kind of, it's a fraternity, you know. That's what quarterback country is. So, and as you've got to talk to these quarterbacks who have proven their worth in the NFL, is there something that you've picked up from them that you think will be applicable to your time in the NFL, Drake? No doubt, no doubt. I think um, you know the first thing is, um, and one of the best things is just don't take no crap. You know, I think one of the big things you know, I'm from the South and. You know, I say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, but you know, at the end of the day, when it gets to the lines, Adam, it's, it's no friends out there. You know, it's everybody for themselves. And the best thing about football is such a team sport. So it's your team. You're in, you're in a battle. It's your war. And it's tough. Um, so I think the biggest thing is going in there for me, just to you know, soak it all in and uh, just be ready for it, preparation. So, Well, you mentioned your brothers, and you mentioned not to take any crap, but you're the youngest of four brothers. So did you take a lot of crap growing up from your brothers who all went to North Carolina ahead of you? No doubt. It was just, it was all growing up. Shoot two on two in the driveway. Uh, shoot, you know, king of the court. We had, you know, top of the hill, whoever could, you know, survive on the couch and throw the other people off. So we had about all I could think of two on two football in the backyard. It was, it was the best setup having three older brothers. You know, I wouldn't ask for anything, you know, anything else. Those three are my best friends in life. And they've been through so much experiences with me and, you know, been three of my best, my, my, my best supporters. So uh, just thankful to have them. And, you know, growing up, I think it helped pave my way a little bit.
Now, your brother Luke hit a big game-winning shot uh, in the final seconds of the Elite Eight on the way to the national title. You have another older brother, Bo, who walked on to the basketball team. Are they embracing your journey here? Are they a part of it here and rooting for you and curious to see where you wind up playing quarterback here in the National Football League? Oh, 100%. You know, they're all in. I think they're, you know, they're so good at keeping in touch. Uh, my brother Luke is actually – he played in Turkey the first part of his overseas. He's still playing overseas. And uh, she was like seven hours ahead, and I have eight o'clock games at night. And he'd text me and say, you know, how'd you miss that guy on an out route or something? He's staying up watching the games. And my brother Bo – um, he's a year older than me at North Carolina, so he's a senior. Uh, I lived with him the past two years, so he's been right in there with me. Um, so just the best thing about that, I've got you know, a tight, tight-knit group with my brothers, and that's you know, something I, you know, I, I don't take for granted. And uh, it's been awesome. Luke's now going to Japan, so um, you know, he'll be back around for the draft process a little bit. And what about your third brother? What's he doing? Yeah, Cole. Yeah, he's in Charlotte. You know, can't figure out Cole. Cole's, um, you know, he, you know he's, he keeps the light around us. Uh, he's, um, he's working in Charlotte. He played baseball in Florida. And uh, shoot, he's... He's the best golfer of the group. That's his, his claim to fame. He's the best golfer, and uh, you know, he's working down in Charlotte, working hard. So, uh, you know, there were all three. Cole came about, you know, every game, every game he could, you know, every home game. So, you know, he was great. Are all the May brothers golfers? Oh, yeah, we're all golfers. Golf, golf, pickleball, ping pong. Yeah, anything, really? Keeping, anything keeping a score. Yeah, we, we, we play it. We try it because trying to be, be, be the best at that and out of the brothers. So, Drake, when you look ahead to this draft now, right, a lot of people talk about you going one, two, three, Chicago, Washington, New England. Can you give me some thoughts on each of those respective franchises and what you know about them? No doubt. You know, Chicago first, um, you know, just such a great history, you know, sports town, um, you know, some, one of the greatest sports towns in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the country. And I think, you know, the biggest fans about their fans, their fans are unbelievable. Um, just such a history, you know, not even football, you know, back when NJ, you know, North Carolina, great play there in Chicago. Uh, so just great fan base and, you know, had a lot of success. And uh, you know, go up there in the Windy City and just hard-nosed football, you know, find a way to win. Um, you know, next Washington, shoot back in the Redskins. You know, I grew up around the, the area of Lake Normans where, you know, Coach Gibbs reside back, um, you know, back wow. with his grandkids. Grew up with those grandkids. Um, so we got to know them and follow the Redskins during that time. Um, you know, also, also another historic program, you know, Coach Gibbs back in the day. Had great success and now um, kind of changed their names to commanders, but you know, great city. Um, obviously, a great city. Been there a few times. And like I said, another another fan base say, hey, when things got going, man, they get a rowdy in there. So, uh, and last, shoot, New England. I mean, it's, it's hard not to talk about the dynasty. We, you know, with the great, you think of the GOAT, you know, that's what you think of. You know, when you think of New England, you think of the GOAT, Tom Brady. So, uh, just a place with it's had a lot of success and um, has some years lately that they haven't been as successful. and. Uh, looking to get back on track, and I know that's you know right up there near Boston is shoot three you know these three great sports towns you're talking about now. So uh, a great, all great places to play, and you know I think a, a great spot to be a you know franchise quarterback at, and that's you know what I'm working towards. You know really wherever you know wherever whoever decides it, you know draft me, I'm ready, excited, and get to work. But I know those three you know, cities are great sports towns, and you know couldn't you know be be grateful and be blessed you know to play for any of them. So it seems like you know a little bit about each. You're comfortable going anywhere you go here, assuming it is in the top three picks. Yes, sir. Anywhere, you know, shoot anywhere in the, you know, it, it, as long as you know, even undrafted, shoot as as anything that ever happens. You know, I know I think just trying to keep a positive mindset wherever I go. I got comps to myself to go play, and uh, you know, whether it's the top three or the last three, I think that's the mindset you got to go in with because it's a tough sport. You know, it's a tough business, but at the same time, you know, I like my chances. Break some follow-ups with, with each of those places. Number one, uh, you mentioned Michael Jordan. He went to North Carolina. Have you ever had any interaction 
with him? Is this great quarterback coming from North Carolina? He's from North Carolina. He went to Chicago. Have you had any contact with him at all? Yes, sir. Yeah, I got to meet him uh, throughout my recruiting process. Uh, Coach Brown was the best at kind of getting, you know, older guys and, you know, probably, you know, the goat of, you know, almost any sport. You know, Michael Jordan, I got to meet him at halftime at one of my brother's games. Um, they played Virginia at home. and I got to meet, you know, MJ. It was pretty cool in there. I took a picture with him. Um, wow. So I have that picture. It's pretty cool. Um, other than that, um, yeah, MJ, I mean, you know, one of the best. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, feel like you feel like you're just around greatness when you, you know, shake his hand and, get to talk to him you mentioned the gibbs family with washington did you ever actually meet joe gibbs and get a chance to talk with him no doubt yeah yeah coach gibbs you know him well um you know his 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 grandkids i played you know football growing up you know with his his uh, grandkid miller gibbs you know, he played at in high school you know with me and went on to app state and i know um his his other grandson jason gibbs was in my class when my in my grade in high school and, and throughout middle school so had to play, you know, pee wee ball against them, you know, little league ball against them, and wow. actually, Coach Gibbs, yeah, yeah, Joe Gibbs was coaching on the other side against my dad, so it's a funny story. Um, so it's pretty cool. What do you remember about that? Yeah, it was my older brother. Uh, my older brother Cole played baseball. Um, him and my brother Bo, I was still in the kind of younger age group, but they were in the in the older one, and um, you know, they were battling. Now I remember it was the Green Me Machine, and they were the the White Storm. So Coach Gibbs in there coaching the White Storm, and uh, they had some battles. Now my dad and. Was, you know, he played quarterback in college, in college and uh, had a yeah. pretty good offensive mind, but you know, Coach Gibbs is one of the best offensive minds, so he's pretty strong. Now, what kind of relationship do you have with another former North Carolina quarterback, Sam Howell, who also plays in Washington right now? No doubt. One of my best friends, um, Sam, has um, had a, you know, had a big impact on, you know, me learning, going in there my freshman year in North Carolina, pre-freshman year, and um, his being his last year and such, you know, had to go such great success and just seeing how he prepared, you know, how, how seriously he took and, um, wasn't necessarily a culture shock, but just a kind of shift from, you know, playing all, all sports growing up throughout high school, uh, just focusing on one sport and how he handled that and how he took care of his body and worked hard in the weight room. Um, it was awesome to see him and sit him, sit, sit behind him that one year. And it's like, uh, kind of paid off, paid off, you know, big, big, uh, big jumps for me. Um, and that's not the word, the right word for her, but you know, pay off big dividends. Yeah. For me there in my next two years. There you yeah, go. There you know, exactly. There's that uh, North Carolina education there, right, yeah, right there, yeah. Drake. Big dividends for next, my next two years at Carolina. So I'll still keep in touch and him and, um, shoot, see him, you know, almost, you know, he was just in Chapel Hill the other weekend for the Duke game. We were up there together and playing golf. So, uh, I'm a big fan of Sam and we keep in touch, you know, almost daily. Well, how much conversation have you had about the prospect that you could wind up in Washington with him? Yeah, I think it's part of it. I think, you know, I think it's just one of those things where it's not ideal, but at the same time, it's part of a business. You know, we've done it, you know, in college together. And, uh, shoot, I think the best thing about it, we'll help each other. And, you know, whether the scenario goes, um, she was one of my best friends. You no, know, going to be no hard feelings. It's part of it. And, uh, you know, and, and being in there as, as two NFL quarterbacks, you know, being in the same room is, is not, you know, too, too bad of problems. A lot bigger problems out there in the world than, you know, having to deal with that. But you said it's not ideal, not ideal to be basically in a quarterback room with one of your better friends, somebody that you know as well as you do, just because of the history that you have. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say not ideal, but I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, you, you don't really, you don't really plan it out. Like growing up, you know, talking about it in, in college, you know, with Sam, and probably what we pictured, you know, being in the same, you know, competing against each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, we always thought about we we're playing against each other and stuff and having, you know, shootout games. But, um, hey, it's, 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 it's a possibility that it could happen, and we know that. And it's, it's not, you know, nothing that's, you know, we're not, you know, straying away from. And so, too, it happens, it happens. And I think, you know, you know, God's got a plan, and whatever happens, you know, shapes out, we'll be ready for it. would be wild, though, to think that two quarterbacks that were together for one year in North Carolina all of a sudden wind up together then 
in Washington under a new regime. We'll see how that all plays out. What are some of the other quarterbacks you enjoyed watching and wanting to emulate your game after? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I think, you know, the big thing is, you know, anytime you're, you're a quarterback in today's age, you know, watching, you know, 15 for the Chiefs, you know, watching Mahomes, especially in that Super Bowl, just, just great football. Um, just watching him and seeing how he moves in the pocket, moves moves in the pocket. Uh, I think one of the biggest things in the playoffs is, you know, how he made plays with his legs when he needs to. Um, just fun stuff to watch. You know, he was a lot of guys, Josh Allen. Um, I got to know him a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, saw him out there at the Super Bowl. So, Bigger guys like that are kind of on my frame that move around and make plays. It's kind of what I try to emulate. And uh, a lot of people say, you know, Herbert. And I think, you know, you know Joe, Joe Burrow's got that killer mindset that I try to, you know, emulate. And uh, just the way he carries his, his, you know, his game and his swagger. Uh, he's got a little more swag than I do. But, hey, uh, we all, you know, can try to try to be quarterback. That's part of the part of it. So. I know Joe was out at Super Bowl week to get to meet him as well as Josh Allen or just Josh Allen. No, I did. I didn't, I didn't get to meet, um, you know, Joe. I was, you know, I got to meet. You know, a lot of them, Josh, um, saw Daniel out there, saw, um, shoot, saw the old, some, some older ones, Matt Ryan, yeah. um, saw Jared Goff out there. So got to meet a lot of them, Jordan Love, you know, Eli was out there. So got to meet a lot of them. And it's, it's, you know, it's cool just to, you know, meet them and pick their brain and congratulate them, you know, great season. Drake, my last thing for you, how do you plan on quieting all the noise that will go on here in the next few months? Or do you plan to just embrace it? How do you approach these next few months with everything that's going to surround? They're going to, there's going to be times we hear Drake May's rising. We're going to hear there are times that Drake May is sinking. Like it, it's, it's so predictable. It's like a stock. Your stock is going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go, and it's going to finish where it finishes on draft night in Detroit with you going to whatever team it is. So how do you, how do you approach these next couple of months? Yes, sir. I think, you know, you mentioned a great point, kind of embracing it. But at the same time, you know, being able to block out, you know, some of the distractions. Um, I think you know, one of the first things you talk about is embracing it, you know, is me going to the draft, you know, being there on draft night, something you always watch growing up and just embracing it. Shoot, camera's going to be on me. I'm going to have, um, you know, shoot a lot of people, you know, in there, you know, kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen and all that. But I think the biggest thing for me is just keep a reminder, shoot, you know, I'm in here with, you know, my three best friends, my brother and my girlfriend. I've been dating for seven years and my parents. And, uh, shoot, that's, you know, you couldn't ask for, you know, a better place to, you know, be under the lights, uh, just embrace it with the people, you know, it's not necessarily you know, all the bright lights, embrace it with the people around me, enjoy it with all the people that have stuck by me and supported me and, you know, helped me along the way. And, you know, part of the block out distractions, shoot, stay off all that social media, stay off, you know, Twitter looking at, oh, you know, Drake May, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, know that, you know, my confidence in myself and my play and knowing, you know, my confidence of, you know, my off the ability to you know, connect with people and uh, just be myself and hopefully um, that'll pay off and, if, you know, I think the biggest thing is not being, not you know, not having all the answers. You know, I know I don't have all the answers and being open to, you know, changing some of my habits or changing some of the way I, you know, approach things. Uh, so just trying to take it with a grain of salt and uh, just be the, be the same guy. Girlfriend of seven years, Drake, huh? Yeah, I've been dating since seventh grade. Yeah, so we're hanging in there. Wow. That's, I think Philip Rivers did something similar like that. Yeah, I think you, I think you did mention that. Something, um... Sure, they may have met either in high school or his first year at state. I think you remember saying so. Yeah, shoot, they're, they're, they're have, up to what? They're up to ten kids now, whatever it is. Yeah, I think ten. Yeah, ten or eleven. <laughs> so we gotta have somebody keep it grounded, right? So sounds good. You got some catching up to do there. Yeah, exactly. Shoot, <laughs> a long way. So. Hey Drake, I want to thank you very much for the time today. I really appreciate. it. I'm glad we got a chance to finally connect. Hopefully, I'll get the chance to shake your hand here in person in Indianapolis this week. And if not there, because I know you'll be in medicals and meetings. Yes, this sir. is a yeah. whirlwind week for you. 
certainly get the chance to meet you in Detroit and look forward to meeting you there in person. And good luck during this entire process. Awesome, Adam. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Look forward to meeting you. And, uh, you know, as always, you know, go Hills and looking forward to the process. What a nice guy, right? Like Southern drawl, oh, shucks. <laughs> I like Drake May. How can you he not like that? Guy. You know, he, he reminded me a little bit of like talking to Brett Favre when he was coming out of college. That That's what it almost seemed like to me. And yeah. if any team gets anything close to Brett Favre in the quarterback address and Drake May, it's going to be really happy. And it was a welcome treat to be able to catch up with him. Very difficult week here, Daniel, in a lot of ways. Last week, I was having, I just sat down to dinner one night and I don't know if you know, I've got five Labradoodles, five. I do. And um, one of our oldest dogs, Benny, walks in. He can't walk. Can't walk. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he's outside playing with the other dogs. Don't know what happened. But had to go last Tuesday night to the emergency room and waiting for about 90 minutes at one emergency vet. And it's too long. Waited too long. So said, hey, I, I can't stick around. He went to the next vet took x-rays and the doctor said doesn't seem like he fractured his leg, which they initially thought um, doesn't seem like he tore his ACL, but he, he just, he's having a hard time walking. So we took him home. Everything seemed okay. Uh, the next day I had to do a diabetes commercial, which I'll tell you about in a moment because I want to end on that, not this. And we had to bring Benny back for his annual sonogram because he had his kidney taken out five years ago. He had battled with cancer. And we took him in on Thursday last week, uh, Thursday morning, my wife and I, to get his leg checked out and to go for his annual sonogram. Doctor comes out and says, unfortunately, we think Benny tore his ACL. Mm. And that matched up because, again, he's been walking around on three legs for the last two days and can't move and just like, oh, my God, ACL. Yeah. And we had one of our other dogs had an ACL, bad deal, not fun for a dog. They bring Benny in for a sonogram, bring us in 20 minutes after telling us about his ACL, and they proceed to tell us the news that Benny, they found two masses in his liver mm -hmm. that uh, spread to his lungs, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, if you have a dog, you understand. If you don't, you probably don't, but dogs are family, and uh, it has been a brutal, brutal week in our house, and that little guy's timing was awful, so now... He's in the end of his life and uh, can't walk around. And it's been very, very hard to watch. The mm -hmm. whole thing gets me very emotional thinking about it. I have had uh, multiple little breakdowns here. And frankly, I'm about to leave for the combine. It'll probably be good to get out of the house because I just, I'm suffocating in sadness right now. Like literally this guy, every time I see him, I start crying. Uh, love that dog so much. And we want to make him as uh, happy and comfortable as we can here. And whatever time, time he's got left, just, you know, a brutal thing. And we've had to uh, bury two dogs, put two dogs down. And again, those are some of the hardest, most emotional moments of your life. And I can think of all the people I've lost in my life. My grandparents, most notably, come to mind. And I got to tell you something, losing our last dog, Maggie, on the Friday of the pandemic, that is yeah, as bad as losing a grandparent that you love. And this is going to be a very difficult stretch for the family. So any thoughts and uh, prayers for Benny, uh, we certainly welcome. I've been there. 
uh, with a pup and I know exactly how you feel. Oh, yeah. And the idea of that is, uh, oh. it's, it's one of those things because it is a member of your family. That's one of the things that you take on a, a role yeah. in your life that just cannot be replaced. And so, um, Anybody else, like you said, if they are pet owners, they totally yeah. understand it, man. I wish I could be there to give yeah. you a hug right now. Yeah, I appreciate it's it's it it it, it is heartbreaking. It literally hurts your heart, like mm-hmm. literally hurts your heart to think about. And every time I walk out of my office here and I see him, I get emotional. But I mentioned to you last week that we did a diabetes spot and um basically been doing this for the last six, seven months with a company called Sanofi, and they've engaged me. And Robin Arzone from Peloton and Usher. Oh, wow. Um, all of us have a connection to diabetes. Usher, Usher's son is a diabetic. Robin Arzone is a diabetic. And my wife is a type 1 diabetic. And so we've been on this campaign to have awareness raised for people testing early for diabetes because you don't want to have to find out after you have it. And it's too late. And if there's any way to combat it or be prepared for it, it's good. So it's all about meeting with your doctors to be screened early, uh, to see what they have to say about it, to avoid some of the challenges that Robin and Usher and myself have with the people, the loved ones in our lives. Um, And so last week we were shooting a spot that will run on social media here, I guess at some point this spring. And they brought in two players, two NFL players who have type 1 diabetes. Blake Ferguson, the long snapper for the Miami Dolphins. Yep. And Chad Muma, a linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. And I got to spend the day with Blake Ferguson and Chad Muma, who I hadn't met before. And they were both really interesting in their own ways. They're both getting married this summer, about six days apart. They're both type 1 diabetics. They both test their sugars regularly during the game. Um, They both were a lot of fun to talk to and be around. Different personalities. Chad was a little bit more reserved, went to Wyoming. Blake was amazing in his knowledge of everything. Like He knew all about our industry and how it works. And I, I was fascinated by how much he knew. He knew a lot more about the media than I knew about snapping the football. How about sure, that? Sure, sure. But they they are great guys. And to think that they play the game of football as type 1 diabetics. Like my wife struggles to figure out how and if and when she could work out at her own schedule, at her own routine, at her own pace because of her type 1 diabetes. And these guys play football, which – you know, she was there that day because they included Dylan in the spot. Oh, that's cool. So Dylan was spending time around them. And I brought both the players over to my wife, who doesn't ordinarily care nor know about these guys. But I knew that she would be fascinated to hear that these guys are tough enough and brave enough and courageous enough to play with diabetes and how they did that. And and it was interesting to hear some of those conversations. So a big shout out to Blake Ferguson and Chad Muma. And they are tremendously impressive guys. And we wish them both luck in their upcoming nuptials six days apart. I think Chad's getting first, married first at the end of June. Blake's like six days later. Um, outstanding. Good for them. And we'll be following and tracking them this upcoming season. Perhaps even have one or both of them on the podcast at some point in time to talk about the challenges that they face. So I want to give them a shout out. We also want to give a shout out to Drake May for taking the time to join us in what will be a very 
busy week. He won't be so happy about talking to people at the end of the week as he was at the start <laughs> of the week. He'll be tired of talking to people. Absolutely. Very tired. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Like sick of talking to all you these got teams. Him. At a perfect time. You wanted him before the combine, not after the combine. We warmed him up. We got That's him ready. Right. He's ready. He's good to go now. And now everybody else can have at it with Drake May. And we hope they enjoy talking to him. But what a great guy he was. I want to thank you, Daniel Dopp, for quarterbacking another six-pack this week. I want to thank our producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast. Next week, we are scheduled to be joined by the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Raheem Morris followed up by Peter King the next week. And as Christina knows, there are very few things in life that make me any happier than having podcast guests booked for weeks to come. So we have podcast guests booked for the next two weeks, Raheem Morris, Peter King, following Drake May today. And also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. We'll be back in this spot next week with those very guests as we talked about. Until then, have a great week and enjoy the combine.